Hello, my wonderful friends and supporters. I have been thinking a lot these last couple days since I've had a little bit of space from school over the Thanksgiving break about how I really break things down and scaffold them for my novice learners. And I wanted to share with you some ideas and examples that I've used in my sixth grade class recently. So there's a couple different ways I approach this. So oftentimes, depending on what you want your students to be able to do at the end of a unit or if you're working towards a project or a certain activity you want them to be able to complete, you need to work backwards from that. Like as teachers, we're always talking about backwards planning. So for me currently with my sixth grade, we are in cycle one, phase three, which is a unit focusing on describing people inside and out. And during this time, I always touch on, and specifically in sixth grade, because I do have them for two more years, I focus on hair color, eye color, glasses, and then some adjectives to describe personality. And that's pretty much, I keep it that basic. So at the end of the unit, obviously I want them to be able to read a description of a person, including those characteristics and understand it, listen to a description with those characteristics and understand it, write about someone, including those things, and also um, be able to kind of speak about it. So I was thinking about the Desmos activity that's called Polygraph. And if you've not used Desmos, it's an awesome tool. Check out the Desmos for World Language Teachers Facebook group. And also you can create a free account at teacher.desmos.com. And it is just awesome because it's like Google Slides in real time, but you can like see what everyone is doing in real time without going to separate like pages. And anyway, I could talk all day about Desmos, but that's not the point of this. They have a polygraph activity, which is basically like Guess Who, because I've always liked the idea of playing Guess Who when I'm on this kind of a unit, specifically thinking about hair and eye color and things like that. And talking about like age of people or like what stage of life they're in, right? I really stray away from um, some of the characteristics that are taught in textbooks like fat and skinny and um, things like that because it's just not necessary, right? And so I really emphasize, you know, tall and short also is very like, it depends on how old someone is, what culture they're from, all that. So I don't really even emphasize that. It's really like hair color, eye color, and glasses are my main focus when I'm talking about external characteristics. And, or like you could use like has a beard or mustache and things like that too. Um, but this guess who activity, I was like, I have a board game of guess who, but I'm like, there's no way I can like utilize one board game with 25 students. So I've always been trying to figure out a way to play it in class and sure there's ideas of like finding pictures and printing them out and making cards in your classroom or making individual guess who boards and I just have never gotten around to doing that but then I discovered the Desmos polygraph activity which is basically a digital guess who game where you can upload 16 pictures of your own and then it like students log into the game and into the program and it like assigns them partners and they can like type back and forth and like eliminate people and pick the right one. So I set up kind of a game with the pictures I wanted to use and I set up the questioning types of sequence that I want my students to do in the target language. And as the teacher on your screen, when you're, the students are doing this activity, you can see exactly what they're typing back and forth. So if students aren't asking the types of questions or in the way that you want them to, you can kind of catch that and redirect them easily in the moment. 
But I knew that if I tried to do this activity without the proper scaffolding for my sixth grade class, that it would be a disaster. Like, would never want to do it again. Disaster. So I was like, okay, what kind of scaffolding and activities do I need to put in place in order to be able to eventually do this? And with like my seventh or eighth grade, I could do like one day of kind of practice and then we could do the Desmos the next day. With my sixth grade, because the last few years have been so wonky and it's been kind of a rough start to this year, nope, I'm putting into place like four or five days of scaffolding of input and practice with these types of phrases so that we can do this activity with ease and without frustration. So number one, the first day, and this is not how, and I'm going to tell you this up front, this is not how I normally teach these things, nor how I prefer to, nor is it fun, nor is it engaging, nor is it focused on input. However, with this particular group of students, everything else that I've been doing, and I talked about it in my episode a couple a couple episodes ago about input is input, I mentioned my concerns there. They, this group overall, not every kid in the class, of course, but this group overall does not respond well to normal CI, where it's like a lot of um, oral input and listening and class engagement, like they just can't handle it right now. So I've had to modify how I do things. So with this class, I decided, okay, I'm going to actually have them take notes because that is a skill that they need in all of their schooling. And it is a skill that they are severely lacking in. In fact, if I have them take notes as a whole class, like me leading it live in class, they still are unable to do it accurately. So what I decided to do was I decided to record myself doing like about 10 minutes of note taking on using the verb tenere to have to talk about eye and hair color. And basically I just had them write down what the verbs mean, like tango means I have, TNA means he or she or singular they has, etc. Um, and then I had them write down hair and then the different color descriptors for hair that we're going to use this year and then eyes and the color descriptors for eyes and then like the phrase for glasses. That's it. Um, and what I did was I took a loom video of me recording that like on my document camera doing a screen share and I put it in Google Classroom and I had them do it in class with headphones on live and I gave them a grade for their notes that day. Now, is that grading their Spanish performance or proficiency? No. Is that grading... Um, really reflective of their abilities in the target language? No. But these are the supports that they need to become successful students and to have confidence in their abilities in school because those are things that are lacking right now. So I know that some people might hear me say these things and they'll be like, clutch my pearls. How dare you have them take like old school notes but these kids need it. And I'm not going to like penalize them for ever spelling anything wrong or things like that. Like the traditional, you know, focus on meaning and expression and interpretation of meaning versus actually um, grading on accuracy and things like that. So basically what I did, I put all those together. I wrote sentences out with different forms of ten air and the colors and eyes like tengo pelo rubio tienes ojos azules, etc. Put those into like a gim kit and a book kit so that like the kids who want to practice at home had that. And, and if we have five to 10 minutes to kill at the end of class, we can just play a game. Um, and using these things in sentences too, right? Not just individual words, but in whole sentences so they can kind of 
get more repetition of that. So that was day one, was taking the notes. And I walked around and I gave students direction and I told them like their notes need to look exactly like mine. They can use whatever colors they want as long as they can read them. Um, but they need to be like writing on the lines, like all of these things that you think middle schoolers should be able to do when they come to you. And two thirds of my sixth grade did not have that skill yet. So that's why I took the time to do that in class. And guess what? It actually worked. And guess what? They're actually seeing the value in having notes or writing things down. And yes, do I know that if I were to just give them enough repetition of reading and listening that these things would be acquired over time? Sure. However, they are so lacking in confidence and in general like school strategies that I'm doing this to help support them not only in my class but in other classes as well. Because there's a lot of times where I'll have them copy down our shared writing and then translate it into English, but they're even having a hard time transferring things from the screen, like the big TV screen in our room, to their notebook. Or writing on the lines, or writing with pens or pencils they can read instead of yellow highlighters. Like, these are the things I'm seeing in the sixth grade that I have never seen before. Anyway, I digress. So day one was taking down these notes. Then on day two, what I decided to do was I decided to have a, um, I made like a read and draw. So I wrote like three sentences and I had like six sets. So like six squares, six pictures that they would draw. Um, and they were just descriptions. So they're getting input by reading the sentences. Like I wrote about the color hair someone has. Then I wrote about the, oh, I did this on day three actually. So let me back up. On day two, what I did was I did a scaffolded speaking. And this is on my YouTube. Um, where basically uh, I had the students go around and say, I have this color eyes and I have this color hair. And then we did a tally mark on like a chart. It was kind of like a class survey and you can go see this on my YouTube page, how I did it. And it was very scaffolded with a handout with structure, with them copying it down. Um, because if I were to do a class survey, the old fashioned way where I just have them like raise their hands, it would get wild and out of control. So this was my solution to giving them more structure until they can kind of learn to self-regulate a little bit better. So we did that and then we wrote like a write and discuss text in Spanish about the different hair and eye colors in our classroom. I had them copy it in Spanish, then I had them translate it to English. So that was day two. Then day three, I had them do this read and draw. So each box and description I had was a description of a person, like it is an adult or it is a child. And then I put, um, has this color hair, has this color eyes, has glasses, has sunglasses, or doesn't have glasses. And then I gave the students, you know, time to draw the representation of those people. So we're on day three already of scaffolding leading up to this Desmos polygraph guess who game, right? So we did that. Now on day four, my plan is to play a, like, guess who class game with pictures on my whiteboard. So I put six different pictures on my whiteboard and we are going to, I'm going to describe them and the kids are going to have to guess which is which. So they're going to get a lot of oral input that way. And then after we've done some as a whole class, I'm going to let them kind of pair up and do kind of like speaking um, together, but they can use their notes as support because I have a lot of students that are just very 
nervous this year and afraid to take those risks. So if they have their notes as support of what words they can say, um, I'll have them do maybe some speaking of that, or maybe we'll use whiteboards or maybe we'll do writing. Um, maybe I'll pass out descriptions of the different pictures so they're already pre-written so the students just need to read them and try to guess which one they have um somehow of this whole class activity and then we're gonna do the desmos polygraph and i will give the students the phrases of the questions for what they're gonna ask back and forth but then they can finally do this activity so when I talk about I am taking things back to the basics and stripping them down to the simplest, most, most easy activities for students to be able to find success on, that's what I mean. So if you want to have students be able to read and understand a story and illustrate it at the end of the story, okay, think back to like how are you going to have to break that down into small pieces to get them there. In previous years, I've been able to just tell a brand new story to a group of students on one day, and they're able to get it and understand it, and then we could do extension activities the next day, and then we could move on to a new story. But some groups just aren't like that, and they need more scaffolding, they need things broken down further, they need more support, which is fine as long as we're giving them input by reading or listening as well, and giving them the supports they need to build their confidence so that they can get there. Because there's no point in us trying to do things that they're not ready for and then getting frustrated or upset with them and having this like this internal battle of like why isn't this working I thought that CI is supposed to work and I thought that these strategies are supposed to work well yeah but some groups need different things than others so I encourage you if your group is struggling with the way you're doing things is there a way that you could break it down make it more concrete make it more structured give them a handout or a paper to do something on give them that extra accountability some groups need it some groups don't so when I get to telling stories with my sixth grade which we'll probably get to second semester we're going to spend some time probably like instead of just going into the story I'm probably going to have to on like one day give them input on the characters and on the settings. And then the next day, I can probably give them input on the events of the story. And then maybe on the third day, I can put it all together. Or I can have them work with the story or work with the events and do things like marker grab or sequencing activities or read and draw or a running dictation, or a translation, or using a story mountain and a story map. Like there's lots of ways to reprocess the input and process it in different ways so that they're getting that repetition. But can you break it down further? Because there's nothing that says you have to tell a whole story in one day in the end, right? You could tell a story over multiple days or tell if your story is longer, break it into two days anyway, and split it in half and then just spend time on day two reviewing a little bit from day one or they could read the previous day's shared writing and then you could go into the continuing the story, right? And I've seen a lot of people ask too lately, like when you're telling stories in class for write and discuss, because we talk about write and discuss being like four to five sentences, well, how do you write down the whole story? I wouldn't as a class text. As a class text with a write and discuss, I would probably only write down the four to five most important summary points. 
or if your students are more upper level and able to output better, assign different groups to write about different parts of the story, the beginning, the middle, and the end, and then have them submit those to you and you type it up. Or you as the teacher will type up a final version, including more details. Or this is what I like to do, and it gets my students to become better writers. It's another way to scaffold writing. I like to put up our write and discuss of the summary of those events, and then I add it to the board, and we add in, okay, where can we add extra details? And I have them do that for like a reading workshop activity because they'll be reading the summary of the text from the day before, and then like I'll say, like, you need to add in three extra sentences with details we didn't include or with the characters thinking or speaking, and then I have them write those down or we talk about them as a class with different ideas. And by the end, we've doubled the size of our, of our text. Or sometimes we'll, then we'll look at that again the next day and say, okay, what's still missing? What were we still missing? What were important parts of the story? Or where can we add description to this to make it better? These are things that we need to model for our students if we want them to be able to output and write these things in the future. So I hope that I've given you some ideas today of how you can break things down to the to the smallest pieces so that your students can kind of build on them and feel successful if that's what you need. If what you're doing is working and you're having success and you have that that atmosphere in your classroom that you want, please keep doing what you're doing because you're doing something right. But if you're struggling or you've had a hard time like me this year or your classes are responding differently than expected, I encourage you to try to just break things down into smaller pieces, provide more scaffolding, provide more structure, and provide those pieces so that your students can become more confident learners and then you can slowly take those scaffolds away and push their thinking and give them opportunities to stretch and grow and become more independent learners.